what is up everybody it is jt sports i'm back to you guys with another episode of the jt sports podcast and i am here with my college football playoff semifinals preview and prediction we have alabama taking on cincinnati and the cotton bowl i am really excited about this game i want to give you guys a quick disclaimer This isn't going to be one of your 10, 15 minute game previews. This is going to be pretty lengthy. This is going to be one of those videos that you're probably going to add to your watch later playlist when you get some free time in your hands or you just need something to keep you entertained while you're making that ride home from work or making that ride to work or if you just need something to, you know, help you escape from the world for a minute this is going to be one of those videos because i have been thinking about this game taking notes for this game for over the last week or so and i cannot wait to share my thoughts with you guys now if this is your first time checking out and listening to the jt sports podcast welcome i appreciate you for tuning in make sure that you check out the jt sports podcast every single video that is uploaded on the channel is available in audio format on every single podcasting platform apple podcast google podcast spotify podcast wherever you get your podcasts from the JT Sports Podcast is available. You can click the link down in the description. It'll take you straight to it. Or you can just type in the JT Sports Podcast on any podcasting service that you use. Make sure that you leave a five-star review. I greatly appreciate it. And if you're listening on YouTube, like the video, subscribe to the channel, and comment your thoughts on this game. Whew! Cincinnati! It's the first G5 program to ever get into the college football playoffs. 13-0, they defeated Notre Dame, which was their biggest win of the year, which was the sole reason or the main reason why they got in. They also had a really impressive win against Houston in the American Athletic Conference Championship game. But boy, what a way to make your college football playoff debut, taking on the behemoth That is Alabama. You know, Alabama is just, (laughs) you, you, it's like every time you think Alabama's down, they just find a way. They just find a way when it looks like all the odds are stacked against them. They just find a way to get it done. Like, you want to know what's crazy? A week, like two weeks ago. Right after Alabama got done playing Auburn and that Iron Bowl Classic, everybody was saying, man, it doesn't look like Alabama has a chance in the world at beating Georgia. They gave up seven sacks. You know, the offensive line didn't play great. Auburn had TJ Finley pretty much playing on one ankle. During that game, they were hanging with Alabama. You also got to look at the fact that the offensive line has been inconsistent. The secondary has been inconsistent. And there were many people in the college football world, you may be one of them watching right now, who said that Alabama didn't have a chance at beating Georgia. (laughs) So everybody, it seems like, counts out Alabama. (laughs) And what does Alabama do the week after? Oh, 
They beat Georgia in the SEC championship game by a pretty comfortable margin. And the offensive line, this same offensive line, remind you that gave up seven sacks against Auburn, played their best game of the season against Georgia. And remind you that Georgia had some freaks on their defensive line. You have this guy named Jordan Davis who is a monster. What is he? 6'6", 6'7", 340 pounds, probably runs a 4'9". The dude is a monster. And they pretty much neutralized him and the whole entire Georgia team. Like, every time you think Alabama's done, every time, they just find a way, man. Like, they just find a way. And for Cincinnati, this is a really tall task. But I do feel like a lot of people are underestimating how good this Cincinnati team is. I feel like a lot of people haven't really watched a lot of Bearcats football this year. So you probably are going to ask me, okay, JT, tell me what I need to know about Cincinnati. What are their strengths? What are their weaknesses? And how do you think they're going to attack Alabama? And what do they have to accomplish if they want to be able to pull off this massive upset because Alabama, as of right now, is a 13.5 point favorite. Now, you look at Cincinnati, you probably watched them play against Notre Dame. They beat Notre Dame by a pretty comfortable margin. Maybe you watched them play Houston in the AAC Conference Championship game. They also beat them by a pretty comfortable margin. Maybe you watched them beat Indiana. But Cincinnati is probably the most talented G5 school in college football history based on this season. Like, there is so much talent on this team. Let's start off with quarterback Desmond Ritter. So, Desmond Ritter, this season he threw for 3,190 passing yards, 30 touchdowns, 8 interceptions, completing 65.9% of his passes. He also rushed for 6 touchdowns and had 361 rushing yards. He also finished... Eighth in Heisman voting this year, and he was really good this season. And I'm not really a big Desmond Ritter fan, but he definitely has earned my respect based on his performance this year. And they're going to need him to have a monster performance if they're going to be able to upset Alabama. Alabama has had some issues in the past with dual threat quarterbacks. And when you look at Desmond Ritter, he's going to have to be able to do it all for Cincinnati. Not only is he going to have to be able to have a great day on the air, but he's probably going to have to be able to carry the load on the ground, even though they do have halfback Jerome Ford, who used to play for Alabama. He transferred to Cincinnati. He had a stellar season. Jerome Ford ran the ball 200 times this year for 1,242 yards, 19 touchdowns, 6.2 yards per carry light. This dude had a monster year, but I'm not expecting Cincinnati to have a lot of success on the ground with Jerome, with Jerome Ford. And the reason for that is because Alabama's run defense has been pretty good this year for the most part. They did a pretty good job in the SEC championship game, slowing down the run game of Georgia, forcing Georgia to have to beat them. 
through the air with Stetson Bennett. That was really impressive. So if Cincinnati's going to win this game, it's going to be behind the arm and legs of Desmond Ritter. You also have wide receiver Alex Pierce, who has caught 50 passes this season for 867 receiving yards, 8 touchdowns. He's averaging 17.3 yards per reception. Now, when you look at Alex Pierce, he has pretty good size. He's really lengthy. He's a good 50-50 ball wide receiver. Also a pretty good red zone target. Now he's not going to blow you away with crazy athleticism. He's not going to have a lot of highlight reel grabs. But he's somebody who's really consistent and he's able to get the job done. When you look at Alabama secondary this year, it's been really inconsistent. They've had some great performances, but they also have had some bad performances. Now, on defense, this is where Cincinnati really makes their presence felt. You have edge rusher, J. Sanders, two and a half sacks this year. A lot of people feel like he's going to get drafted between rounds two and four of the 2022 NFL Draft. Cincinnati also has one of the most talented linebacker tandems in all of college football. You have Joel DeBlanco, who has 100 tackles on the year, five and a half sacks in the interception. Darian Beavers also isn't too far away from him, 88 tackles, three sacks in the pick but Cincinnati probably has the best secondary in college football you probably already know about Sauce Gardner aka Amar Gardner he was a first team All-American he hasn't allowed a single touchdown in his whole entire college football career but a lot of people don't know about the other Cincinnati corner his name is Kobe Bryant Kobe Bryant had three interceptions this year four pass deflections, and he won the Jim Thrope Award, which is awarded to the best defensive back in college football. He also was a second-team All-American. You also have safety Brian Cook, 87 tackles on the year, sack, nine PDs, and an interception. He can do it all. So this is a really talented football team that Cincinnati is going to be putting on the field in this game. And when I look at Cincinnati... I definitely feel like they do have some favorable matchups in this game. You probably like the matchup of your secondary versus the receivers of Alabama because with the injury to John Mechie, Alabama doesn't really have a lot of proven production. And as a matter of fact, I was asking Alabama fans on the Bleach Report app, what wide receiver do they think is going to end up filling the role of John Mechie and becoming that number two wide receiver alongside Jamison Williams in this game? A lot of people are really high on freshman Ja'Cory Brooks, and I am too. He caught the touchdown versus Auburn, which got the game into overtime. He hasn't really seen much playing time this year, but when I look at Ja'Cory Brooks, he has really good size, really good athleticism. The only knock on him him that I've heard around the Alabama fan base is the fact that sometimes he runs the wrong routes. He doesn't really have a good grasp or knowledge of the playbook. But 
I definitely feel like if there was a wide receiver on this Alabama team who could rise to the occasion, it could be Ja'Cory Brooks. And it's really interesting because everybody's talking about the matchup of Amar Gardner against Jamison Williams, which we already know that Sauce Gardner is a potential first-round pick in the upcoming 2022 NFL Draft. So is Jamison Williams. So that's going to be a really good chess match to watch. But also, Kobe Bryant also probably is going to have some reps when he probably will be guarding Jamison Williams. So when you look at Ja'Cory Brooks, or whoever is going to be the second wide receiver alongside of Jamison Williams, they're going to have to be really good. Because I don't care if you want to use the excuse and say, well, JT Cincinnati hasn't really faced a quarterback like Alabama. They haven't really faced a passing attack like Alabama all year, which is true. But at the end of the day, it's really impressive when you can go your whole entire collegiate career without allowing a single touchdown. I don't care if you're playing Division 5, Division Division 10, NAIA, FCS. If you can go your whole entire collegiate career without allowing a single touchdown, that means that one, your technique is really good, you're fundamentally sound, and you're really skilled. On top of that, you have Kobe Bryant, so you have two really good corners. So for Ja'Cory Brooks, if he's going to be the guy who ends up stepping up in this game, They're going to need him to have a monster performance. You also have Slade Bolden, who has 333 receiving yards on the year, 32 catches and two TDs. You got Cameron Latou, Jahil Billingsley. They're two tight ends. I really like Billingsley a lot, but... A lot of people really are sold that Ja'Cory Brooks could have his coming out party against Cincinnati. And I kind of believe it too, even though you are going against one of the best cornerback tandems in all of America to all Americans. I definitely am really high on freshman wide receiver Ja'Cory Brooks. And a weakness that Cincinnati has that I think Alabama is going to be able to exploit is their run defense. A lot of the Cincinnati fans are probably going to be like, JT, I don't think Alabama is going to have a great day throwing the football on us. And if you believe that, well, I kind of got to disagree with that statement because Alabama, if they can get the run game going, which they definitely should be able to, you can get that play action game going, and then you can get those shot plays down the field to Jamison Williams. And I look at Cincinnati, yes, this is a really talented defense, but what worries me going into this matchup is how much talent they have in the interior of the defensive line. I don't really think their interior of the defensive line is all that great. And I definitely feel like Alabama is going to be able to take advantage of that. So I'm expecting Brian Robinson and the Alabama rushing attack to have a big day on the ground against this Bearcats defense. Alabama might not even have to throw the football all that much if they're just having so much success running the football. And I'm really intrigued in seeing how Cincinnati game plans to slow down that run game because I definitely feel like that's kind of a big weakness that they have going into this game. 
also, what about the death of Cincinnati? Cincinnati does have talent, but when you're playing a school like Ohio State or Clemson or Alabama, you got to have depth. And a lot of times, these schools like Cincinnati, yes, they have talent, but they don't have enough depth to keep guys fresh throughout the first three quarters going into the fourth quarter of this game. So for Cincinnati... The first thing that they have to be able to do if they're going to be able to win this game, you're going to have to be able to get pressure on Bryce Young. We saw how different this Alabama offense looks when Bryce Young doesn't have time to throw the football, i.e. you go back to the Auburn game. The offense was really out of sorts. That's because Auburn's defensive line really got after it. A week later, you saw what Alabama did against Georgia in the SEC championship game when they actually gave Bryce Young time to throw the football. And I feel like Alabama's offensive line really took it personal after what happened against the Tigers in the Iron Bowl. And they pretty much said to themselves, you know what? We are going to make sure that we don't allow our quarterback Bryce Young to suffer the same beatdown for a second consecutive week in a row and they really rose to the occasion and for Cincinnati you are pretty solid when it comes to getting after the quarterback but at the same time is the pass rush going to perform at a level that it needs to because even if you do have great corners if the pass rush isn't there and the quarterback has all day to throw these corners can't guard forever eventually they're going to allow somebody to get open somebody's going to break loose so the pass rush for Cincinnati has to get going my Jay Sanders has to have a big game the next thing is going to be you're going to have either Sars Gardner or Kobe Bryant guarding against Jamison Williams so you have to make sure that you don't allow Jamison Williams to have any kind of impact in this game. You have to force Bryce Young to find other outlets to get the football out to. You have to force these young wide receivers like a Ja'Cory Brooks to step up. If you're Cincinnati and Ja'Cory Brooks goes off against you... I don't really think you should be all that mad. Like, yeah, you should be upset, but if Ja'Cory Briggs goes off against you, that just shows you just how stacked Alabama is. So if Ja'Cory Brooks is going off against you, you can live with that. You'd rather him go off against you versus Jamison Williams, in my opinion. Now, another thing that Cincinnati has to do is when you're playing Alabama, you can't really afford to have too many mistakes. You have to be on your A game. You go back to when Texas A&M pulled off the upset against Alabama. They didn't beat themselves in most situations. They didn't really have a lot of costly penalties. And on top of that, they took care of the football. When you play against Alabama, you can't make mistakes because they're going to make you pay every single time. So for Cincinnati, they have a tendency to sometimes come into games and start games off a little sloppy sometimes the offense would kind of take a while to get going you go back to when Cincinnati played Tulsa this season that game kind of started out a little bit ugly Cincinnati kind of had to will their way to a victory and for Alabama If you get out to a big lead on Cincinnati early, a lot of things can change. 
for Cincinnati, I think it's really important that you get out to a big lead early and force Alabama to have to abandon that run game because I think that the run game for Alabama is going to be a huge factor because obviously we know that there is definitely going to be a size advantage in the favor of Alabama. There may be some athletic advantages also. So for Cincinnati, if you allow Alabama to ground and pound you all game, not only are they going to control the time possession, but they're also going to tire out your defense and keep your offense off the field. So Cincinnati has to get out to a big lead early because that's a good way to stop the rushing attack because if a team is down by several possessions, then they're not really going to end up running the football all that much. They're going to end up relying on passing the ball to get back into the game. So I think that if Cincinnati's going to shut down the Alabama run game, I think it's going to be because they're going to have to get out to a big lead early. On top of that, Desmond Ritter. You look at Desmond Ritter, we consider Desmond Ritter to be a superstar quarterback. Every team that has won a national championship during this college football playoff era has had a elite level college quarterback. You can't win in this day and age of college football without having a superstar quarterback. Look at the quarterbacks who have won in the past. Mac Jones, Trevor Lawrence. You gotta have a superstar as your quarterback if you're going to be able to win. Is Desmond Ritter that superstar quarterback that we all think he is? We're about to find out. Now, I noticed that a lot of people bring up the team talent composite rankings and they keep saying that Cincinnati doesn't have a chance look at the team talent composite rankings and I do understand that they absolutely do matter in a sense but I think a lot of people are overlooking just the player development that these Cincinnati players have had over the last couple of years and Luke Fickle has done a phenomenal job him and his staff of developing these players from two star three stars into what they are now and on top of that they have a lot of the players who are going to end up being drafted in next year's NFL draft and playing on Sundays so yes Alabama does have more five and four star players however I do feel like when you look at Cincinnati they're definitely are some key advantages that they have on Alabama at least when it comes to their secondary versus the wide receivers of Alabama because if you're a Bearcats fan you're saying man JT we have two of the best cornerbacks in America I doubt that a freshman wide receiver or a Slay Bolden is going to make one of those guys pay. And if you're a Bearcats fan and that's your thinking, I definitely can understand that. But at the same time, this is where people rise to the occasion. This is where players start to make their presence felt. This is where players make a name for themselves. You remember when Devontae Smith caught the game-winning touchdown in a national championship a couple of years ago? That's really where Devontae Smith started to make his name. And remind you, he was also a true freshman as well. So when Alabama has been put in situations where they've needed to put a freshman in to make a big play, they have delivered more times than not. And for Alabama, you look at their key players going into this game. Obviously, we know about Bryce Young, the Heisman Trophy winner. He has thrown for 4,332 passing yards in this game, 43 touchdowns, only four interceptions, 68% of his passes that he has completed. He's really smart. And on top of that, 
he has a really fast release. Like, if you're going to bring down Bryce Young, you got to make sure that you get to him quick, fast, in a hurry because his release is incredibly fast. And on top of that, he's really smart the football. He doesn't turn the football over all that much, which is reflected by his interception and touchdown ratio is off the charts. You look at Brian Robinson, 223 carries on the year, ran for over 1,000 yards, 14 touchdowns. He's a monster. Jamison Williams is one of the fastest, if not the fastest player in America. It's going to be really important that Cincinnati doesn't allow him to get behind anybody in this secondary because he's going to make them pay then you have one of the best offensive tackles in Evan Neal second team All-American you got linebacker Henry Toa Toa 100 tackles four sacks Will Anderson Will Anderson is going to be a major factor in this game because Cincinnati's offensive line is pretty good and it's Probably one of the best offensive lines that you're going to have if you are a G5 school. So you look at Will Anderson, 91 tackles, five and a half sacks. This dude is a monster, 15 and a half sacks, excuse me. I don't understand how Aiden Hutchinson was put over him in the Heisman finalist voting. Like, that didn't really make any sense to me because when you look at that, the numbers, Will Anderson had more tackles for loss, and I just feel like he had, you know, a bigger impact than Aiden Hutchinson did this year for Michigan, which is probably going to sound hella controversial, not trying to downplay anything Aiden Hutchinson has done, but Will Anderson has been the better player this year than Aiden Hutchinson if we're going by the statistics. Now, you do have safety Jordan Battle, who was also an All-American, third-team All-American, three interceptions. He caught a big pick six last, well, the last time Alabama played in the SEC championship game against Georgia. So Alabama, even though we consider this to be, you know, a not the greatest of Alabama teams. This is still a really talented team. As a matter of fact, I believe that Alabama has more All-Americans on their team than anybody in the country. Now, you look at Luke Fickle. Everybody's going to be like, man, Luke Fickle isn't going to be ready for Nick Saban because this is going to be his first time in a big game atmosphere. And if you're saying that, I got to disagree with that. And the reason why is because Lou Fickle has been on some really good coaching stats with some really good coaches. He has been in championship games. He has played in some big games. Not only that, but Cincinnati has played in some big games. Like they played Notre Dame this year. They beat Notre Dame. They played Georgia really close last year when they matched up during bowl season, which they probably could have won that game, but they didn't have a field goal kicker. So everybody's talking about, man, Nick Saban is going to have a lot of time to prepare. When you give Nick Saban time to prepare, you have a problem. But I also feel like Luke Fickle and his coaching staff is also going to be able to come out with a good game plan because everybody just keeps looking at Cincinnati because they're just this G5 school. They're just going to lay down. They're just going to allow Alabama to bend the mold and do whatever they want to him. I don't think that's going to happen. I I feel like Cincinnati is going to come into this game. They're going to be motivated. These players are going to have their best game all year that they ever had. Okay, 
And I know a lot of people are going to be like, well, JT, you looked at Cincinnati. They kind of have been up and down. Like, yeah, they beat Notre Dame and they beat Indiana and they beat Houston, but they've also had some inconsistent games. And I understand that. But if you're going to say Cincinnati has had some inconsistent games, you got to kind of hold Alabama to that same level because, yeah, they beat Georgia, but they lost to Texas A&M. You also struggled to beat Auburn. You struggled to beat the LSU team. That's pretty much playing you a backup parts. Like Alabama has had some inconsistent performances as well. So you also got to hold them to the same standard. Also, Alabama's offensive line has been inconsistent all season along with the secondary. And yes, they were able to put it all together against Georgia. That's just one game. Are we really going to overlook the fact that the overall body of work that Alabama has put together when it comes to their offensive line performance and their performance from the secondary? Like, I feel like, yes, they had a great game against Georgia, but at the same time, we still have to take into account that, yes, they have had some inconsistent play from both of those two positions at times this year I'm still wondering just how good that Alabama offensive line is going to be and if this offensive line is going to be able to replicate the performance in this game against Cincinnati that they did against Georgia albeit Cincinnati's defensive line isn't as talented as the defensive line that Georgia has they still do have really good linebackers and they do have Marjay Sanders who could end up making things really interesting Now, for Cincinnati, you have a big problem when it comes to your field goal kicking situation, which is really huge, especially in a game like this, because going into the red zone, they have one of the worst red zone offenses in America. They only score touchdowns in the red zone 78% of the time, which is 100 in all of college football. And the reason for that is because it's kind of... Like, when you're playing in these kind of games, field goal kicking is really huge because that could be the difference of you losing and winning this game. Let's say Cincinnati goes into halftime and they're trailing 21 to 10. And let's say they miss two field goals. Well... If they would have made those two field goals, that could have been the difference between a one-possession game and a two-possession game. So if you're a Bearcats fan, your field goal kicking situation has to be a major concern. Because I always tell people this, having a great kicker is really underappreciated until you don't have one. Kicker is one of those positions that nobody cares about, nobody talks about it until it ends up costing you games. Now, Cincinnati has been so good of a team, and they've been so much better than the teams they played this year, where they haven't really been put in situations when they've had to rely on their field goal kicking all that much. This is going to be a game where that kicking situation is going to come back to haunt Cincinnati. Also, on top of that, Cincinnati's run game, like I alluded to early, I don't think that Jerome Ford is going to have a monster game against Alabama. As a matter of fact, I would be extremely surprised if Jerome Ford breaks over 70 rushing yards in this game. Now, I'm not saying that as a knock against Jerome Ford. I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying that you look at how good Alabama's run defense has been all year. Alabama is fourth in America in rushing yards per game allowed. They're only allowing 84.2 rushing yards per game. So, 
I really feel like for Cincinnati, the run game isn't going to be there, but the passing game could be where they make their presence felt because, like I also said earlier, the Alabama secondary has been really inconsistent. Josh Job has been hit and miss at times. Like, yes, you do have Jordan Battle, but Alabama has had some communication problems. They put it all together against Georgia, but one game isn't enough to sway me. I'm somebody who I need to see it done over a consistent amount of time. You have a lot of people in this world who are quick to say something has changed just because of one instance I'm somebody who needs to see it done over a good portion of time for me to come around on it so the inconsistent play from Alabama secondary definitely is something that Cincinnati's offense could take advantage of because their wide receivers are pretty solid but they also have one of the better tight end rooms in America you got Josh Weil who is a red zone monster he's really hard to stop in the red zone I definitely feel like there could be some potential matchups that Cincinnati could take advantage of in the red zone when they play against Alabama in this game now maybe Alabama is going to end up guarding Josh Wild with Jordan Battle is going to be really interesting seeing how they handle those matchups but also for Cincinnati another strength that I think that they really have the fact that I think that Cincinnati is really good when it comes to making adjustments mid-game. And we give Nick Saban a lot of props for his ability to come out of halftime and make adjustments. Cincinnati has been a lot of games where they came out flat, things weren't working, and they had to find another way to win. And being able to find multiple ways to win just shows you that you have a great coaching staff. And when you have a great coaching staff, they're able to make adjustments on the fly. And that's something that you don't really see all that often in these semifinal matchups in my opinion like these coaches aren't really all that great when it comes to making adjustments against Alabama Alabama isn't a team that you can just play with a set game plan because oftentimes when you have a game plan against Alabama you're going to have to alterate it maybe four or five times during the game because things are probably going to be one side in Alabama's favor when it comes to a talent standpoint so you're going to have to find ways to scheme around the lack of talent that you might not have compared to Alabama which is something that probably is something that Cincinnati can do because I don't think that the talent gap, well, the talent gap is, you know, pretty large. I'm not going to be naive and not say that it is. But at the same time, I definitely feel like if Luke Fickle and this coaching staff can make the proper adjustments, I definitely feel like there are some things they can do schematically to make up for the lack of talent that they have compared to Alabama in certain instances. But I think the main thing for Cincinnati is their run defense. Now, their run defense isn't bad. It's in the middle of the pack. It's 42nd in the country. They're along 141.2 rushing yards per game. But death is going to be a huge question that I have for Cincinnati in this game. Because when you're playing a school like Georgia or Clemson or Ohio State, they have multiple guys on the bench who could end up starting at several other Power 5 programs, which means that they're going to be able to rotate in other guys to keep their starters fresh into the fourth quarter. 
if Cincinnati gets into the fourth quarter, you have to wonder just how much are they going to have left in the tank? Because we know when Alabama gets into the fourth quarter, they're going to be 100%. Well, they may not be 100%, but they're going to be full goal. They're going to be pretty well suited to go all out for the last 15 minutes because they're going to be able to rotate guys in and keep guys fresh. For Cincinnati, I don't know if they have that elite depth. And that's something that these elite powerhouse schools have that schools like Cincinnati don't really have. They don't have that elite depth. They don't really have a guy who can come off the bench and still give you pretty serviceable production. Because when you look at the drop-off from Alabama starters to their backups... It's not really all that large. Like sometimes their backups are almost sometimes just as good as the starters for Cincinnati. Their starters are really good. But when you go from the starters to the backup, it is a huge decrease in that department. So I'm looking at the depth of Cincinnati and I want to see if they're going to be able to have enough gas left in the tank if this game is close going into the fourth quarter. And for Alabama, you look at the wide receiver room that they have. And you look at the fact that they're facing the best secondary that they have had faced against all year. Everybody was talking about Georgia's defense. Me personally, I was telling a lot of Georgia fans this. I was saying that your secondary isn't all that good. Your secondary is being helped out by the fact that you have a very good pass rush. But what's going to happen when your pass rush doesn't get there and your cornerbacks are actually going to have to be able to guard for a pretty good duration? Well, we got the answer to that. They got ate up alive. Now, for Cincinnati, their pass rush has to hit home in this game. Can it hit home? I don't know. Now, their linebackers are really good when it comes to getting out to the edge. They are also good when it comes to their versatility. They can blitz them. They can send them up the middle. They can do a lot of things with their linebackers. And I think that the linebackers are going to play a really huge role in terms of stopping that run game of Alabama because they're going to have to be able to fill those gaps. I don't really think that Cincinnati's defensive line is going to be able to give them a lot of push when it comes to slowing down the run game of Alabama so if you're going to slow down that run game if you're Cincinnati those linebackers are going to have to come down here they're going to have to fill those holes they're going to have to fill those gaps and Brian Robinson is a huge human being this guy is super massive I've actually ran into Brian Robinson in person one time at a camp back when I was playing football in high school and that guy is pretty massive so you're going to have to make sure that you fill that hole and you're also going to have to make sure that you bring him down also another thing for Cincinnati is the fact that you can have a lot of costly penalties I feel like for Cincinnati sometimes they can be a little bit undisciplined at times but they're able to escape from it because a lot of teams they played they were just so much better than well when you're playing against Alabama talent isn't in your factor so for Luke Fickle he has to be able to come in the locker room he has to tell his guys hey man we got to be focused in this game which they should be they should be highly motivated but at the same time he also has to tell them listen man we got to be disciplined we got to be disciplined in our assignments we can't have any blown coverages we can't have anybody not knowing what's going on we have to be on the same page when it comes to communication and same thing with Alabama they were pretty good when it came to their communication in the SEC championship game against Georgia really eager to see if that continues now Cincinnati's offense doesn't really have 
anybody, in my opinion, that is an absolute burner, somebody who can just flat out just turn on the Jets and beat you downfield deep with pure speed, like how Alabama has with Jamison Williams. So they don't really have like a deep threat that can catch like a 50-yard bomb on pure speed. So I also think that's something that's going to play into Alabama's favor. And for Alabama... You might not even have to be able, you might not even have to blitz at all. You may be able to just to be able to get pressure just rushing for maybe you send five from time to time. But also, I think something else that a lot of people aren't talking about is the coaching staff for Alabama. Now, both Bill O'Brien and their defensive coordinator, Pete Golden, did a phenomenal job in the SEC championship game against Georgia. As a matter of fact, it probably was their best play calling all year. Now, I've seen a lot of people, a lot of Alabama fans in particular, call out Bill O'Brien. I've seen a lot of Bama fans go after Pete Golden at times. So, I'm really interested in seeing if the play calling is going to be as good in this game as it was in the SEC Championship game. Because all this year, both of those guys have been under fire a lot from Alabama fans in terms of their play play calling and decision making at times also on top of that for Cincinnati I'm wondering just what if you get down early in this game what is Cincinnati going to be like is Cincinnati going to lay down are they going to keep on fighting and for Alabama in this game you have been battle tested you have been in a lot of close games which is something that a lot of people myself included overlooked when Alabama was going into that SEC championship game against Georgia we picked Georgia well most of us picked Georgia because Georgia was just so dominant Georgia didn't play in any close games they didn't really have to play their starters in the fourth quarter everybody by the time we got to the fourth quarter was already sipping that Gatorade on the sideline had a little hat on by the little fan taking up all the breeze and things like that But you look at Alabama, they were in a lot of close games against LSU, against Auburn. Now, albeit they probably should have blown up those schools, it's good to be battle-tested. It's good to be in close games because adversity is what builds character. Great teams have to go through adversity. If you don't go through no adversity, it kind of... it you. Georgia, for example, they didn't really have no adversity all year. When adversity finally strikes, you got to figure out how to deal with it. Alabama has multiple ways they can win. Cincinnati has multiple ways they can win. But at the same time, though, this is Alabama. So Luke Fickle is going to have to be able to be on his A game. Luke Fickle is going to have to be able to make sure that he can keep his team calm and composed in case things start to get out of hand early. And that's really what I'm intrigued in because if Alabama gets on top of Cincinnati early, and this is like 28-0 into the first quarter, I want to see how Luke Fickle is going to respond to it. I want to see what is the message that he's going to send to his team during that. I want to see what adjustments are going to be made because when you're coaching against Nick Saban, like this dude is a football fanatic. Like, I thought I was a football nerd. This dude is more of a football nerd than me. I remember I was watching on uh, one of those Monday Night Football telecasts, you know, when they had Peyton Manning and Eli Manning. And basically, they were talking to Nick Saban, asking about his work schedule. This dude 
is in the office at what 8 a.m in the morning and doesn't leave until what 10 p.m 11 p.m like golly man so you look at Nick Saban what's the game plan going to be for slowing down Cincinnati well the first thing is going to be I really feel like Desmond Ritter's accuracy in games can be hella spotty I feel like when he rushes things and his decision making has to be sped up his decision making gets off his accuracy gets off so if will anderson and those alabama pass rushers start to get home they don't even got to bring desmond ritter down like all they got to do is get in his face make him a little bit paranoid get him a little bit trigger happy in that pocket a lot of his decision making starts to go down the drain and his accuracy becomes incredibly spotty i also feel like if you're nick saban your main game plan is going to be keeping desmond ritter in the pocket now Desmond Ritter is a solid pocket passer he definitely has improved tremendously over the course of his career when it comes to how good he has become inside the pocket but I don't really think he's all that great when things are falling apart unlike Bryce Young when things are falling apart in the pocket he's still pretty composed even though he'll take a shot here and there he's still really calm under pressure when I look at Desmond Ritter he tends to be the opposite at times sometimes when he's under pressure that's when things start to get off so if you're Nick Saban you're gonna you're you're gonna try to make Desmond Ritter uncomfortable and make him beat you from inside the pocket the next thing is you want to take away that run game from Cincinnati which you should be able to do because you have guys like Will Anderson and you are really good at getting tackles for loss or creating havoc plays so you take away that run game and you take away the legs of Desmond Ritter then you force Cincinnati to be a completely one-dimensional team and the Cincinnati is going to be able to pull off this upset they're going to have to be balanced even though Alabama's secondary has been inconsistent at times when Alabama knows that you're throwing the football when any team knows that you're about to throw the football they can tee those pass rushers off and when everybody knows that you can't run the football and that the pass is coming those pass rushers don't have to worry about maintaining their run assignments all they can do is just go out and try to get you down to the ground another thing that Nick Saban is probably going to game plan for on the offensive side of football is probably going to try to if he's going to when Alabama goes to throw the football on this secondary I definitely feel like they're going to have a lot of different route combinations, route combinations that are going to, you know, force Cincinnati to have to communicate. Maybe the safety is going to have to get over on top. And at the same time, I think there's going to be some chances where the speed and athleticism of Alabama is going to be there. But you also do need Jamison Williams to have a big game. Okay, like if Jamison Williams gets shut down in this game, then a lot of things change. Then you're going to force one of your younger wide receivers to have to step up. You're also going to have to need, you know, another wide receiver or a couple of guys to step up. And I don't really think it has to be another wide receiver who needs to have a breakout game. I just feel like Alabama as a whole 
from a receiver standpoint. They just need guys who can step in and, you know, get a couple of yards here and there and keep the chains moving. So I think that ball distribution in this game for Alabama is going to be a big focal point, making sure that they get a lot of people involved. We're going to see their tight ends get involved, which their tight ends are really talented. They don't really get talked about that much because, you know, they don't really have as many wow moments as guys like Jamison Williams and John Mechie have, but their tight ends are really good. So when you look at Nick Saban, his three biggest keys to beating Cincinnati is first going to be keeping Desmond Ritter inside the pocket, forcing him to beat you purely in the pocket, also limiting what he can do with his legs. On top of that, slowing down the Cincinnati run game, then trying to force Cincinnati secondary to have to properly communicate because yes you do have really talented cornerbacks but at the same time if you start utilizing different route combinations that's when things can get kind of juicy on top of that you also have to put a lot of emphasis on making sure that you have good ball distributions making sure that you give everybody involved now the team now are going to take the win Ha, this is going to hurt me, man. This is really going to hurt me. I'm going to take Alabama to beat Cincinnati. And it's funny because I was talking to a lot of my friends over the last couple of days. And I was telling them, I was like, man, like, the more I research and dig into this game, the more I feel like Cincinnati's going to win. But now that I start to think about it more, Cincinnati is lacking in some very important areas. And the area that scares me the most is their kicking situation. Because if you're going to beat Alabama, you're going to have to be able to score points. Rather that be touchdowns or field goals. And since Cincinnati can't kick field goals, they're going to have to end up going forward on fourth down. And if they don't end up converting on fourth down, they're going to end up leaving points off the board. And when you're playing Alabama, you can't afford to leave points off the board. Like if you can get three points, take those three points. Field goal kicking is going to be really critical because if this game ends up being close and it comes down to a field goal, Cincinnati is going to be at a disadvantage because they don't have the consistency there out of their field goal kicker. On top of that, I just don't think that Cincinnati has enough elite depth to last a full four quarters with Alabama. And I love Cincinnati. And I really, I really, really wanted to pick Cincinnati to win this game. I thought I was going to pick Cincinnati to do it, man. I just can't. Now, will this game be a blowout? I don't think it is. I think that this game should be pretty competitive for the first couple of quarters and then maybe we start to see Alabama break away but at the same time you guys gotta remember this is the same Cincinnati team that took Georgia down to the final seconds last year when they played in the bowl game I know a lot of people are gonna be like oh they had this guy not playing on Cincinnati had guys not playing too I'm just saying so I'm gonna take Alabama to win this game But I am going to take Cincinnati with the under. I think that the final score in this game is going to be Alabama 42, Cincinnati 
34 is going to be my final score prediction in this game. I do feel like Cincinnati's offense should be able to put some points up, especially if Desmond Ritter is as good as a quarterback like a lot of people make him out to be, and he plays like a superstar in this game. Cincinnati should be able to go toe-to-toe with Alabama offensively because Alabama's secondary has been hit or miss at times. We don't really know what Alabama pass defense we're going to get, or we're going to get the one that we saw against Georgia when they played against Stetson Bennett, or are we going to get the one that we saw, you know, you know, during the season when they were playing against A&M and, you know, LSU at times when teams were able to have success passing the football. It was also that Florida game earlier in the year when they had success running the football, but that was because they had, you know, the read option game going. And for Cincinnati, they're probably going to utilize that, utilize the read options, utilizing the RPOs. But overall, man, I got to take... Alabama to get the win I really tried to pick Cincinnati to win this game I really did and I'm rooting for Cincinnati to win I hope that they can pull off the upset I'm going to be rooting for them but I got to take Alabama so you guys let me know who you guys have winning this game down in the comment section down below if you are watching this on YouTube and make sure that you check out the JT Sports Podcast available on every single podcasting platform. Also, make sure that you leave a five-star review. If you're watching this on YouTube, make sure that you like the video, subscribe to the channel, and turn on post notifications so you don't miss when I upload a new video. The next semifinal matchup that we have to talk about, we have Georgia taking on Michigan in the Orange Bowl. This game is going to be played on New Year's Eve, kicking off 7.30 p.m. Eastern Time on ESPN. Georgia currently enters this game as a 8.5 point favorite. Now, the last time we saw Georgia play... They got smacked around by Alabama in the SEC championship game, 41 to 24. And boy, when I was watching that game, like, I was just shocked. Like, I could not believe what I was seeing. And after the game, I was telling people, I was like, man, I'm so shocked that Alabama defeated Georgia. And of course, all the Alabama fans started commenting underneath the video saying see that's what you get for betting against Alabama that's what you get for betting against Nick Saban and Georgia fans were telling everybody who didn't give them a chance to beat Alabama in the SEC championship game they were telling people man y'all just picking Alabama because of their name y'all not even giving us a fair shot like we've dominated every single body we play like we're going to beat Alabama and we're going to beat them bad and it looked like that because Alabama the week before barely escaped Auburn they gave up seven sacks like their offense looked anemic like I was like there was no way in hell and God's loving earth that Georgia was going to lose to Alabama But man, let me tell you about Nick Saban. Nick Saban has to haunt Georgia fans. And I know Georgia fans have to have nightmares of Nick Saban. Because for some reason, Georgia cannot seem to find a way to to slow this man down. Like every year, we think that Georgia is going to win it all. Alabama just always has the final say. And I don't know what Georgia has to do to finally be able to beat this ghost, this monster, this demon that is Nick Saban. I don't know what they have to do. But they're playing Michigan. 
And Michigan is a very phenomenal team. They defeated Iowa in the Big Ten Championship game 42-3. to And it's funny because there were a lot of people who felt like that was going to be a letdown game for Michigan. Now, I don't... I understand why people felt like that because they had a big win against Ohio State and the game was the first time beating Ohio State and God knows how long. And many people felt like Iowa's defense was going to be able to slow down Michigan's offense. But a lot of people forgot that even though Iowa had a great defense, they didn't have a lick of offense. These two teams have similar playing styles. They both put a lot of emphasis on running the football, great defense. They have great players on both sides of the football, especially when it comes to how great their defensive lines are. And this is refreshing to see because in the year of 2021 going into 2022, it seems like all college football is about now is the air raid offense, spread offense, throwing the football 40, 50 times down the field, not really playing great defense. This is going to be a throwback game. And if you are one of the OG college football fans out there, you know, I'm like 19 years old. I was born in 02, so I don't really know what college football was like in the 70s and 80s and the 90s. But This is going to be the kind of game that you're going to sit back and you're going to enjoy if you are a OG college football fan because this is going to be a smash mouth game. Great defense being played. Not a lot of points being scored. Like this is going to be a great throwback game for a lot of people because you look at Georgia. And Georgia's defensive line looked so dominant all year. You got this monster of a man named Jordan Davis. He's like, what, 6'5", 6'6", 350 pounds and runs like, what, a 4'9"? The dude is a freak. The dude is a freak. He won the Chuck Benderrick Award, the Outland Trophy. Like, I did not know how Alabama was going to slow this man down. Then you got Nicobe Dean, you got Nolan Smith, you got Devontae Wyatt. Like, Georgia had so many great players on their defensive line. And you look at Michigan, they have a lot of great players on their defensive line. You got Aiden Hutchinson, Heisman finalist, 14 sacks, 15 and a half tackles for loss. Then on the opposite side of him, you got David Ojabu, 11 sacks. You got defensive back, Daxton Hill, 65 tackles, two interceptions, seven pass deflections. Like, there is a lot of great talent on both teams when it comes to the defensive side of the football. Like, I am so excited for this matchup. Now, when I look at Georgia, their defensive line and their whole entire defense let me down the SEC championship game because you were blowing teams out all year. You blew out Arkansas. You blew out Auburn. You blew out Tennessee. You blew out pretty much everybody. And then you play Alabama. Remind you, Alabama the week before just gave up seven sacks against Auburn. So I was thinking that Georgia's defensive line was going to come in to the SEC championship game and dominate Alabama. That didn't happen. 
Like, Alabama's offensive line looked so different. Like, Alabama's offensive line all year has been heavily inconsistent. They've been rotating guys in and out. And I was thinking there was no way that Georgia's defensive line wouldn't take over that game. So I got to ask you Georgia fans, like, what happened? Like, you know, like, did somebody put something in these guys' food? Or what happened? Because, like, I'm still trying to figure out what went wrong for Georgia in the SEC championship game. And going into this game, you got to ask yourself, what needs to be corrected? Because I feel like Georgia needed that loss. Because now we understand where the strengths and weaknesses are with this Georgia team. That's the great thing about losing. When you're losing in life, it forces you to reevaluate yourself sometimes you got to take a couple L's before you can start winning again and for Georgia I felt like they needed that loss to Alabama because now Kirby Smart and his staff can go back to the drawing board and figure out what needs to be corrected for this big game against Michigan and when you look at Michigan Michigan is one of those teams that you know what they're going to do They're going to run the football a hundred million times down your throat until you prove you can stop it like I've never seen a team so hell-bent on running the football other than Wisconsin. Wisconsin is the only team I know that will literally run the football over and over and over and over again. And Michigan has two great running backs. You got Blake Corum and you got Hassan Haskins. Now, Hassan Haskins led the team in rushing. He had 1,288 rushing yards, 20 touchdowns, 4.9 yards per carry. You got Blake Corm, 939 rushing yards, 6.7 yards per carry, 11 touchdowns. Like, this ground and pound for Michigan is something serious. Like, they're pounding guys into a mother-freaking pulp. A pulp. They're taking people's lunch money. Like, do you know how degrading it is to be playing against Michigan? on the defense side of the football, and Michigan's just running the football down your throat, like, that's demoralizing. That's pretty much saying that, that's pretty much somebody taking your lunch money, if we're being honest. Like, if somebody knows that you're going to run the football, and you can't stop it, that's, that's demoralizing. And it's really frustrating. Now, Georgia, on the other hand, their run defense has been really good all year. And I'm still not losing faith in these monsters and behemoths that they have because I call them Wolverines because I don't know who the hell is birthing kids like Jordan Davis. I don't know what his parents gave him when he, when he was coming out the womb. But Jesus Christ, man, like they have some athletes on this Georgia defensive line and so does Michigan. So I'm interested in seeing just what team is going to be able to have the most success slowing down the rain game. Because the run game is the key component to both of these two offenses. Now, for Georgia, I feel like the run game is way more important than their offense because we know what Stetson Bennett is. We saw it in the SEC championship game. And I've said this over and over again. If Stetson Bennett has to throw the football more than 25 times, that puts Georgia at a disadvantage. A lot of Georgia fans got on me. They said, oh, why are you hating on Stetson Bennett? Like, I'm not 
hate, and I'm just telling you what it is. And you guys know the truth. You guys know the best quarterback isn't starting. The best quarterback is on the bench. But you look at stats of Bennett, 28 of 29 of 48, 340 pass yards, three TDs, two interceptions. Like, he didn't play bad. But when you're trying to win a championship in college football, you got to have great quarterback play. Above average to average quarterback play isn't going to cut it. And you thought Kirby would have learned this lesson with Jake Fromm. Even though Jake Fromm was above average, but you thought Kirby would have learned his lesson. Apparently, Kirby Smart still is stuck in his own ways. And I'm not going to be one of those people that says, oh, Kirby needs to evolve or Kirby needs to change. You get what I'm saying? All I'm saying is that Kirby Smart needs to find a way to get the most out of Stetson Bennett in this game. Because a lot of Georgia fans are going to say, well, JTK, the McNamara is the same thing. Like, no, he's not. If Michigan gets down into a situation where they have to rely on K. McNamara to win the game for them, he can do it. He had a pretty good showing against Michigan State, although they lost that game. Like Michigan can throw the football if they need to. And K. McNamara is more than capable of being able to carry Michigan to a win in this game if he has to. Stetson Bennett, not so much. Now, Michigan's wide receivers are really solid. Okay, like a lot of people try to make it seem like Michigan doesn't have talent at wide receiver. Like, I don't know where that's coming from, but Michigan has talent at wide receiver. They just don't really get to showcase it all that much because they run the football a million times a game. Now, Georgia, on the other hand, their offense, for the most part, is pretty balanced. They throw the football a good amount. They also run the football a good amount. You got Zamir White, you have James Cook, you have Kenny McIntosh. So you have three really good running backs. Now, Zamir White is the most talented running back. He leads the team in rushing yards and touchdowns. He has 718 rushing yards on the year, 10 touchdowns while averaging 5.3 yards per carry. Look at James Cook. He's a little bit more nimble and more shiftier than um, Zamir White, in my opinion. He's also really good. Then you got Kenny McIntosh who is the better pass catching back of the two or of the three so Georgia's offense is pretty balanced they have some very good playmakers on the outside George Pickens came back in the SEC championship game like when Gary Danielson said George Pickens I was like George Pickens when did he come back then he like tears ACL in spring so apparently he's back now then you got this tight end named Brock Bowers for Georgia, who is an absolute monster. This guy had 10 receptions, 139 receiving yards, and a touchdown. He was pretty much carrying the Georgia offense on his back. And for Michigan, I'm eager to see what the game plan is going to be for slowing him down. Because for Michigan's linebackers, like I feel like they're really good, but I haven't really seen them been tested yet when it comes to guarding great tight ends and when you look at Brock Bowers man like this guy's a beast Michigan is definitely going to have to find a way to slow him down because this is Stetson Bennett's um best target and his most reliable target and Stetson Bennett seems to trust him more than anybody else on that Georgia offense now this game is going to be a dogfight Okay, it's going to be like a six-round championship fight in boxing. The first round, they're going to be figuring each other out. 
Then the next couple of rounds, you know, they're going to be throwing jabs. They're going to be trying to figure out what moves works, what's effective. And then in the final round, we're going to see who has enough gas left in the tank to pull it off because this game is going to be low scoring there's probably not going to be a lot of offense there's probably going to be a lot of punting field position is going to be really important in this game like special teams has to be on point for both of these two teams you know who's going to be able to pin their opponent inside the 20 who's going to have to start out inside their own five yard line who goes through and out from their own five yard line and has to punt the ball and give the opposing team good field position so special teams field position going to be really key in the game like this also you got to make sure that your kicking situation is on point don't be like Cincinnati going into a college football semifinals matchup and you don't have a great field goal kicker also red zone is going to be really important which team is going to be able to smack it in for seven or six and which team is going to have to end up settling for three that's going to be really important and also a lot of both of these two teams probably aren't really going to have that many possessions if they're able to execute their game plan the way they want to offensively because both of these two teams their identities are they want to run the football even though Georgia seems to be a little bit more balanced at times than Michigan they both want to run the football they want to control time possession they want to keep your offense off the field they want to keep your defense on the field so for one of these two teams, let's say the first quarter begins, one of these two teams, whoever gets the ball first, the other may not touch it until, what, the last four minutes of the first quarter because these two teams, they have some pretty long drives. Like, their drives can take up some time, especially Michigan. Like, they had a couple of drives this year that ended up taking, what, nine, eight minutes off the clock. So you got to make the most of every possession. That means turnovers are going to be really critical. One turnover in this game could be huge, and it could decide the win of this game and I know it's just one turnover but it's huge in a game like this when you don't get a lot of possessions you got to make every single snap every single play count because you can end up with the ball to start the first quarter and you may not end up touching the ball again until midway in the second messing around with these two teams now Georgia's defense still is pretty good Okay, I'm not changing the narrative on Georgia's defense. There's a lot of people that are trying to say, is Georgia's defense overrated? It's not overrated. It's just the fact that a lot of people overlooked their secondary. Nobody really talked about the secondary. And I was arguing back and forth with Georgia fans during the middle of the season. I think it was when they ended up playing Tennessee. And I was saying that I wonder if Tennessee is going to be that team to test how good their secondary is. Because Georgia's secondary has kind of been put in a safety blanket per se because anytime you have a great pass rush you don't have to stay in coverage for all that long in Georgia they already proved to be a big mismatch up front for the majority of teams they played this year so pretty much they were already forcing quarterbacks to have to get the ball out fast so it wasn't really a lot of opportunities to really try to test that secondary downfield well we got to the SEC championship game and Bryce Young in Alabama they they took it personal Alabama's off the line said you know what we're not about to let Bryce Young get egg planted in the ground by these monsters 
and they stood the ground and they stood tall and Alabama's passing attack was on fire and that goes to show one of the weaknesses of this Georgia defense is the fact that that secondary isn't as great as what we thought it was and the reason for that was because the defensive line was so dominant but what happens when that pass rush doesn't get going so for Georgia I think that it is very big in this game that they try to force Michigan into third and long situations and same thing for Michigan like the keys to the game for both teams are going to be trying to win on first and second down trying to stop the run trying to get negative yardage and forcing both of these two teams to get put in obvious passing situations where they have to throw the football and I personally feel like for Michigan, you look at Aiden Hutchinson. Aiden Hutchinson has been a game wrecker all year. He had three sacks alone against Ohio State, and Ohio State has one of the better pass-blocking offensive lines in America, and he basically ate it like it was chicken meat. So you look at Aiden Hutchinson going against this Georgia offensive line. Georgia's offensive line has been really good all year. I'm really eager to see how they end up handling Aiden Hutchinson. Now, Georgia hasn't really had a game where they have been blasted in the run department. As a matter of fact, going back to the SEC championship game, I I don't really think that Alabama, let me check. Yeah, like Alabama ran the ball for 115 yards. Like that's probably the best performance somebody had all year when it came to running the football on Georgia. So for Michigan, it's going to be really tough to get a lot of yards on the ground against this Georgia defense because they have a lot of size, a lot of athleticism. Now you can say the same thing for Georgia, but at the same time though, for Georgia, you have Brock Bowers there so you can open up the play action pass game. Same thing for Michigan. Like these two teams are just so similar in playing styles. I'm really trying to figure out like what makes both of these two teams unique in their own way? Like, what is a big difference between Georgia's style of play this season and Michigan's style of play this season? You guys got to help me out in the comment section if you're watching this on YouTube because I'm trying to figure out, like, what are some differences that these two teams have? Because these two teams, they wake up, they look at themselves in the mirror, and they see each other. So this is going to be a very intriguing matchup because the most important keys are going to be which team can put the other in more obvious passing situations, which team can put each other in third and long situations, and also which team is going to be able to win the time of possession battle because that's going to be huge the team that most likely is going to win this game is going to be the team that's able to control the clock and keep the other off the field so the team i'm going to take to win this game i'm going to go with michigan and the reason why I'm going to go with Michigan is because I trust K. McNamara more than I trust Stetson Bennett. And I feel like that's ultimately what this game may come down to. Which one of these two quarterbacks is going to be able to make the big play? And I feel like for K. McNamara, he gives me a lot of A.J. McCarron vibes. A.J. McCarron was really good um, when Alabama first entered the 2010s, 
And this Michigan team gives me a lot of those old Alabama team vibes before Alabama started to become a little bit more pass heavy over the recent years. But you look at Michigan, look at Kate McNamara, everybody looks at him as a game manager, which I'm not going to disagree with that, but he's a very highly efficient game manager. And also he can carry you to a win occasionally if you need him to. For Stetson Bennett in Georgia, I don't really have a lot of confidence in Stetson Bennett. And we show we saw that in the SEC championship game. Like, yes, he does have some mobility. Yes, he has a lot of heart. But at the same time, when you're trying to win a national championship, you gotta have a quarterback who can go get it for you. And for Michigan, they have that in K. McNamara, and he showed that several times this year. When Michigan has to lean on him in the past game, he can get the job done. Now for Georgia. We saw for the first time all year when the rain game wasn't going and they had to win the ball throwing the football, they weren't able to get it done with Stetson Bennett. The decision-making wasn't all that great, and I wasn't really all that impressed with how Stetson Bennett really performed. He didn't play bad, but I didn't think he played all that great. And Georgia fans understand that to win this game, you're going to have to have some great quarterback play. No matter how effective you are running the football, there is going to come a time in this game where you're going to have to be able to make some big throws. And and the quarterback who I think is going to be able to make more big throws is going to be Kay McNamara. So I'm going to take Michigan to win this game. 22-14 is my final score prediction in this game. I think this game is going to come down to the final possession. I'm going to take Michigan to get the victory. You guys let me know who you guys have winning down in the comment section down below.